Brother Andrew, you're very welcome here. Thank you. The Lord bless you this evening. Well, there's a great opportunity to be here. I thank your minister and session uh, for the invite along tonight and for the warm words of welcome. Um, if you turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, we'll, we'll start there tonight. I would normally bring a wee word of testimony, but um, a lot of it sort of is covered in the video anyway, so we'll just sort of forgo that tonight. Time's ticking on. But Hebrews chapter 12, and um, we'll begin there at verse 1, and we'll read the first six verses. Chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weighed and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For him the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he uh, receiveth. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word. And we'll just seek the Lord's face for a few moments in prayer uh, before we begin. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank thee for the opportunity and the joy that is ours to be able to come before thy throne of grace. Lord, we acknowledge that it is not because of anything that we have done. It is not because of any merit of ours, but it is because of our union with thy dear Son. Lord, we thank thee for... Uh, that uh, perfect uh, love, that desire, that plan uh, to send thy son to this world, to take on flesh, uh, to live that perfect life and to die there on the cross uh, for man's sin. Lord, we thank thee that uh, it is by faith uh, that we can be saved. And we thank thee, Lord, for those of us in this meeting that are saved. Lord, I thank thee that we can say it is because we know and we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is because he has rose again that we have a hope that one day we will be with thee in heaven. And I thank thee, Lord, that uh, we have a task to do. I thank thee, Lord, that we have that joy of knowing thee. We have that experience um, which no other religion has. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would ever help us to seek to know thee more. And in knowing thee more, and in loving thee more, and seeing the love that thou didst have for us, that, Lord, we would seek to make, me, make thee known. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would... Fill me with thy spirit, Lord. Help, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray, Lord, that you would give help. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, speak to thy people, whether it's an encouragement or an exhortation or, or a rebuke or whatever it is, an encouragement. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me and, and speak to the hearts of, of thy people. And I pray, Lord, that if there is anyone in, in here tonight, uh, although it's not a gospel message, Lord, we know that thou canst speak through thy word. Amen. Thou canst save uh, to the uttermost. And we thank thee that thou art a God that is not dead. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us now and close us in with thyself. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear the word that you would have to us tonight. In thy name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Tonight, for just a short time, uh, I want to consider what it is to uh, run the race. A few years ago, Nike brought out a slogan which said, Just do it. Well, tonight, I hope you leave with more than the thought, Just do it. Uh, as I was looking up quotes, I also found this one by a runner. It said, Ask yourself, can I give more? The answer is usually yes. The first thing that I want us to notice is that there is a race to run. 
Verse 1 says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. What is the race? The race is glorifying God. The Shorter Catechism says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. What does it mean to glorify God? Well, it means to love God and to love your neighbor. How do we love God? Well, we are to know God. How do we love our neighbor? Well, we are to make God known. Our purpose is to know God and to make God known. I heard a story once of a tribal man. He was so excited he had just accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his own and personal saviour. And it was the first time he and his people uh, had heard the gospel. And after the meeting, uh, the tribal man said something like this to the missionary. He said, where are my mom and dad today? The missionary, knowing that his parents had passed away some years before, with a heavy heart had to tell the man what he already knew, that because they did not know Jesus, they would be in a lost eternity. The man started to cry and he said to the missionary, thank you for coming to tell us. But the tribal man then continued, he said, from the Bible lessons that you taught us, you showed us that the Bible is very old. The missionary said, that's right, yes. And the tribal man then asked, well, how long have you had the good news in your language? The missionary with tears in his eyes had to admit that his country had had the gospel for over 700 years. The tribal man with sadness and tears running down his face couldn't understand why no one had come sooner. I want you tonight to imagine yourself in the shoes of this tribal man. How would you feel if no one ever came to tell you the gospel? Do you think that you would feel loved? Would you think that the person who calls themselves a Christian, the one who is supposed to be like Christ, actually understood the person and work of Christ? Would you think that they actually understood the sacrifice he made? Would you think that they should have understood and followed the example of Christ, who everywhere he went sought to do his Father's will and make God known? Friend, I ask you tonight, are you about your Father's business? Are you living to tell others about Jesus? Loving God, this is our life's race. God has the people to save and he has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Each one of us, if you're saved, you and I, we are missionaries. What is a missionary? A missionary is one who is sent on a mission. And your mission, just like mine, is to know God and to make God known. You, just like me, have been saved to serve your mission field tonight may not be Uganda, it may not be some foreign field, but it is here with your brothers and sisters in this community. It is here in your home and it is here in your place of work or school. But why do we run the race? Well, we run the race because of love. 1 John 4 verse 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. And loving us first, he sent his son to die in our place. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the richness of his grace. And the, the word redeemed or redemption comes from the Greek word apolotrosis. <coughs> the word redeemed is this picture of being bought and then being brought out. Not only was our debt paid, but we have been set free. And it's important to remember as we consider how to run the race well. How to run the race well. In verse 1 he says, Let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Now we know that in running a race, the less weight we have to carry, the better. And this is almost exactly what happened historically with the Roman and Grecian runners. 
they literally lay aside their big heavy garments so that they could run faster. So what is the weight for us? The weight is anything that is a hindrance. The weight that Paul is telling us about is anything that is a burden. And when he says, verse 1, does so easily beset us, there is this idea of something that is encircling or entangling. You can just imagine running through a forest and finding yourself coming up to some trees you hope to just push through. But as you try, you find yourself entangled in lots of cobwebs. The cobwebs covering your face, you can't see where you're going. They slow you down and it may even be so bad that you have to stop running altogether. And so it is in our life's race. There are things that can slow us down and there are things that can have us stop running altogether. So what are the ways or the things that prevent us from loving God? The answer is simple. It's anything that takes our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. It's anything that stops us spending time to think on God or his love to us. It's anything that leads us farther from God. And we can all think of circumstances that we get so concerned about or the things that uh, our mind spends most of the day thinking about. And all too often we stop running our race or we run it without our all. The reality is tonight that the things we give our time to the things we give our minds to, these are the things that we love and we can put them before God. We should note that when it's, it says lay aside the weight, that it is a continual thing. These things that burden us or entangle us, they are to be laid aside continually. We are to continually refocus, to continually keep taking our eyes off self and circumstance and place them back onto our God and Saviour. We can also notice that we are supposed to be running with patience. What does it mean to run with patience? Well, when I looked up the word, it didn't mean what we might normally think of when we think of the word patience. The emphasis was to run what with endurance. And just like the runner who, running through the woods, may find obstacles or things that hinder him, we are to keep going. We're not to give up at the first hurdle, and if the pathway gets muddy, we should keep going. If we get a pain or a stitch in the race, we should keep going. How do you run with patience? Well, the answer is we look unto Jesus. Not only have we the example of those who have gone before us in Hebrews chapter 11, which gives us confidence and encouragement by way of their example, we have a much better example in Christ. He is the perfect one. But not only is Christ a better example, he is also our help. The word looking here in verse 2 refers to looking and focusing on one thing. It's something single. And so it is an act of the mind whereby a runner would focus on someone to help them through. And so, are we looking to the Lord to help us through? Do we remember to constantly refocus on Him? We can take tremendous encouragement that He is our help and our strength. And we can know that he, and have confidence that He will bring us through. But it is our responsibility to look unto Him for help. We must not look elsewhere for our help, but only to Christ. We can be assured that Christ will help because he is the beginning of our faith and the one who has promised to give us the help we need to complete our faith and present us before his Father's throne. But you know, as I thought about running a race, I realized that a race comes to an end. Our race is only for a limited amount of time and this earth is not our home. The Bible talks in many places of the limited amount of time that we have on this earth. It mentions that our lives are as a vapour that's passing away, a shadow that will soon disappear. 
or the grass that rises up and is cut down. You see, we may feel like 70 years, if we are spared that long, is a long period of time, but it's really not. 70 years side by side with forever and forever is hard for us to comprehend. And so I ask myself, as much as I say to you tonight, are we building up treasures of worth or are we running the race for self? Lastly, there is a sacrifice needed. As we thought about running our race well and enduring to the end, we saw that Christ was our example and our help. And so we too should do our best to give our all just like Christ did for us. But if we think back to the example of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22, we see that the sacrifice Abraham was to make was his only son. It's not like he could sacrifice or only give a part of his son. No, the test was he willing to give all that was dear to him. And so often we see in scripture that the size of our sacrifice is not what we give, but it is what we have left. And so as we run this race, let's run it with our all. Let's leave nothing in the tank. We saw tonight that there is a race to run. We saw that a race is to run for the glory of God. We saw that we are to run it well and with his help. We saw that we have a limited opportunity to do it and that this earth is not our home. And lastly, we saw that there is a sacrifice needed. We are to run with our all. Christ gave his all. He held nothing back. He paid our debt in full that we would be free to run with liberty. And if we're saved tonight, we must not forget that we are the sons of God. And if we say we love him, then I want to challenge us to ask ourselves, are we seeking to serve with our all? It is my joy tonight to be able to tell you a little bit about the work of Uganda. But I would like at the start really to um, start off really by commending Noel and Stella really for all their efforts. They started this work whenever they were in their mid-60s. And they're now in the mid-70s, and they've been a real challenge um, to my own heart. Uh, I commend them for selling almost everything that they had uh, to fund this project. That in itself alone, of course, was a huge challenge to me. But when I visited the work last August, I, I suppose I, I was amazed at how they've survived in such primitive conditions. The little house that they, cons that they had really consisted of three rooms. And if you can imagine a, a Belfast Terrace house and the small box room that you would get in those houses... And you take that box room and you multiply it by three, you start to understand a little of how they've survived for the last 10 years or so. But not one of those rooms had a toilet or a shower. Not one of those rooms had a kitchen or running water. They had three small rooms, basically one to sleep in, one to sit in, and one uh, for some of their things. And it was only in August past that they got a little bit of electricity into their home. And so I take my hat off to them. What they have achieved uh, for the Lord really is incredible the lord has really blessed them and used them uh, in their twilight years however noel and stella have finally decided that because of their age and because of their health they can no longer look after the work but the work that the kellys have established the emmanuel christian school is more than just a school of the 300 of the 350 children that attend the school there are about 40 or so children who are uh, full-time boarders some of those pupils are, sadly, orphans, abandoned by a parent or parents who can uh, no longer look after them. And the, school, and the school has had to therefore not just take on the responsibility to educate, but also to uh, feed them and support them while they're on campus. Um, I can't express in words just how grateful some of these young people are. It's not like here, if you were to give a child a sweet or a toy, that you'd be fortunate to get uh, a thank you. 
some of the borders that I met were full of thanks to the Lord for his provision or singing his praises. And when I was there for a week in August, I, I suppose I got that opportunity to spend a little bit of time with some of them. Um, and spending that time with some of them, I suppose I got a glimpse into what life was like. And to be honest, I kind of felt a little bit ashamed and embarrassed of some of the things that I would complain about. These children have virtually nothing of the things that this world has to offer. And for example, they eat the same two types of food uh, most days. And you know, I never heard one of them complain about it. And it doesn't matter how often I've seen this sort of thing in the past. It sort of always challenge you, challenges you really to the things that we really do uh, take for granted. But not only do we have borders that um, are local orphans, we also have some children whose parents have chosen to send them hundreds of kilometers just so that they can have Christian education. And that's extremely exciting because the potential is there really for this Ugandan work to be a gateway for sending the gospel into places that we might just never reach in our lifetime. These young people, they know the language, they know the culture, and they belong there. So what an opportunity we have to send young disciple Christians back to their homes and communities with the desire to spread the gospel. With Uganda bordering Tanzania, uh, the Congo, Kenya, South Sudan and Rwanda, we really just have no idea how far the gospel could spread uh, should the Lord uh, give us more children from these neighbouring countries. Um, having met some of those more senior boys and girls, I can't say it is amazing what the Lord has already done. Um, one that I spoke to was a, a converted Roman Catholic and he was very eager to learn and grow. Others were also eager to learn and grow and some of the young men are already preaching at the age of 16. And so because of this desire to grow um, and learn the things of God, one of the things that the mission board would like to do is build a Bible school at some stage in the near future. It doesn't have to be anything big or grand, but it is something that we would love to do for those who are genuinely keen to step up for him. Many of these young people may in fact be tent makers and so it would be great to see them leave school not just with a, uh, with a knowledge of God's word uh, but with a burning desire to reach those that they would work with uh, in the local community. Like you, they can be missionaries in full-time employment. It doesn't matter whether you're a hairdresser or a farmer or a bank manager. We as Christians we serve the risen Savior and so many of these young people will also take the gospel with them into the world of work in Uganda. We do hope though and ask that you pray that some will take time out to study and enter full-time service. There are of course hurdles to overcome which we will trust the Lord with. Similar to here at home, uh, the Africans can have this attitude that the more education you have uh, the better and I suppose they have this mindset because they want to get themselves out of their poverty. With lots of education they have high hopes of getting a well-paid job. And while there may not necessarily be anything wrong with that per se, the problem arises whenever they make that all that they live for, whenever they make education and prosperity uh, their God. And I say that it's similar to us here at home because we can kind of fall into a similar trap. Maybe we're not trying to get ourselves out of poverty, but we can be looking for living and working for the things that this world has to offer. I fell into that trap myself for many years. And so because I know the Lord touched my heart, and gave me a desire to surrender my life unto him, he can do it in Africa too. Um, with regards to the school property in Uganda, it is set on roughly those three acres of land and it does have a variety of buildings. Um, there are the school classrooms, basic housing for teachers, a guest house and then there is that church there 
situated at the top of the site. But there are issues with some of the things that are there. I don't know if you've ever tried to live without running water, but I can tell you that it is a huge adjustment. There's so many things that each of us do every day at home that you need water for. We take for granted that you can turn on the tap and there it is. But can you imagine having to collect water in a container and carry it uphill for 15 minutes if you want to flush the toilet, if you want to wash your hands, if you want to wash your food, if you want to have a shower, if you want to wash your clothes or mop the floor or do your teeth or even do the dishes or simply even to have a drink. We use water so much every day and yet water is just one of the examples of some of the issues that we will need to uh, deal with in the work of Uganda. I won't for time's sake mention all of the issues that there are but if we think about the water situation for a minute I'd like to show you why we need your prayers for the Lord's leading. On site we have no pressurised water like we would have here at home. We also have no working well that um, would provide us with water um, similar I suppose to pressurised water. But what we do have in Uganda really is a, a system that is supposed to catch water off the roof and um, take it down into tanks. But the problem with that is that the roofs are not catching the water like they could and sadly the old water tanks are all leaking. As you can imagine, water near the equator is absolutely essential. So, what do we do? Effectively, we have three options, but the difficulty is, uh, which one do you choose? Do we seek to harvest rainwater on a large scale from the roofs? Do we see about drilling a well? Or do we hold out for pressurized town water? The answer is not an easy one. Everyone has its downsides. If we take, for example, the town water first, it has been promised for years but hasn't yet materialised as far out as the location of the school. Recent developments in the area would suggest that it is much more likely than it ever was before. But how long do you wait? Nothing in Africa moves fast. Well, you say surely the drilling of the well is the best option. And it does sound like a great idea. But we've had one company who said they don't think they can find water. And thankfully, however, more positively, uh, just last week we've heard that there is another company who believe that they can find water. The other option, the harvesting of water off the, uh, the roofs, that sounds like a great idea too, but it would mean quite a bit of work. Effectively, we would have to um, build tanks large enough really to hold water from one rainy season to the next that would sustain a few hundred children. So I ask you to pray for us as a team. Uh, there's lots to pray about. We definitely need with wisdom with how to proceed. But because we don't really have a good water system of our own, one of the things that the children are currently doing is walking with water containers uh, to collect water at the nearest spring. They make multiple trips a day and um, the trip would be quite hilly. It would take about 30 minutes for an adult uh, to go and collect 20 kilograms of water. Um, if you can imagine uh, what 20 kilograms is like, I suppose it would be like um, picking up a bag of cement and walking for 15 minutes uphill uh, with that bag of cement. And that's what these young people are doing every single day, multiple times a day. But things like that can be avoided or reduced. While we're not there to improve their standard of living, certain things are essential to keep both the missionaries and the children healthy. So often what happens is because the children have to go so far to get water, they end up going to the local swamp instead. We all know that the swamp water is not healthy. It's no good for cooking or washing themselves. 
It's no good for washing their food or their dishes, and it's certainly no good for drinking. But because of all the hassle, one of the things that they do try and reduce is the cleaning of their plates and things. On my trip, um, I saw dog bowls and sandcastle buckets, really, that hadn't been washed after mealtimes. And, you know, it's not hard then to work out why we would have uh, rodent problems at certain times. On a more positive note, um, there were recently two large plastic tanks purchased and um, they are obviously currently not leaking and so we are able to collect water into those. But please do remember they are only temporary and uh, we would appreciate your prayers for how we proceed in the long term. As for my role, well, it's not necessarily a straightforward answer. My role is going to be somewhat quite broad. The Mission Board have asked me to consider my role not just to Uganda uh, but really to any of our uh, existing or uh, future works within our denomination. This practical role uh, that I'll be doing is a new role for our mission. And so I'm looking forward to being able to take care of whatever I can uh, in the years to come. But with respect to Uganda, I will uh, be sorting out the accommodation for the missionaries. The best property that we would have currently is that guest house. It's not a bad size and it would accommodate one couple uh, without children. But really the biggest thing that it needs is pressurized water. Wasting hours every day collecting water is not really the best use of our time. Um, I should say, I suppose at this point, because uh, I didn't really testify of it earlier, um, Stephen and Ruth Miller are uh, the couple that's there and they're living in the guest house at the minute and they'll be coming home in the next month or two. Noreen has just moved out, Noreen McAfee has just moved out really within the last few months and um, for Noreen and myself I will need to renovate what is the older boys dorms. Um, those dorms really at the minute are only really four walls and a tin roof and so Noreen's I suppose got it difficult at the minute and it is something of course that uh, I need to resolve as soon as possible. On a longer term basis, I will also need to look after the maintenance work. As an example, uh, one of those ongoing issues will be uh, to seal up the buildings and things. And I suppose really one of the bigger reasons is to really keep the mosquitoes out. Sadly, some of the children recently did contract malaria. And so it's something like that is really important to keep on top of. But currently the windows, the doors and the roof all let in creatures of different sizes. Um, whenever we think of cracks and gaps here, sometimes we think of settlement cracks. But when I'm talking about cracks or gaps over there, I'm talking about gaps big enough to let hornets the size of your baby finger uh, fly in and out all day long. I'm talking about gaps in places big enough to allow the rodents in and out. And even in some places, I'm talking about gaps big enough to let the young people climb in and out. So keeping on top of, of those sorts of issues, uh, sealing up the buildings, uh, will be important and we can avoid a lot of trouble uh, should we do that. With uh, Miss McAfee coming to Uganda really to develop the senior school and uh, one of my bigger projects will be to uh, facilitate or uh, extend the school expansion. The school is currently running at full capacity with the 300 to 350 children that we do have and most of that number over 90% are actually in primary school so if you can imagine if we do develop that senior school uh, there will be quite a bit of work for me to do. Um, with regards to teaching and preaching, I know I'll also be able to, uh, I'll be expected to take on some of the church and Sunday school responsibilities. Uh, whether it's having Stephen Miller out uh, now and again or covering for him when he's home on furlough, 
or, or whatever it is, I trust that the Lord will really help me in that. But what I'm really excited about, I suppose, is discipleship and uh, reaching out into the community. I feel there is that great opportunity, really, to reach out. Um, having a school with that amount of children in it really is, of course, in itself a tremendous opportunity. We get to present them with the gospel five to six times a week. But a school gives us much more than that. It gives us vital links to that community, links to parents and grandparents who will all take an interest in children's lives, links to those farmers that will supply us with food, and links, of course, to those that we'll purchase things off, whether it's building materials or school materials or whatever it is. And so having such a privileged position, I trust that we will effectively use it to see the wider community brought in under the sound of the gospel. But not only is there that great opportunity without, there's also a tremendous opportunity within. We have a great opportunity to disciple young people who are already saved. And whenever I was there for that week at the end of August, I, I found that while I was working with the senior boys, I had a tremendous opportunity really to speak into their lives. They were willing to talk freely about the things of God. They were willing to ask questions. They were willing to tell me what they thought. And, you know, they were willing to even tell me how they felt. And so there's tremendous access there. And I'm really excited to develop that access and use it for the glory of God. One of the other things then, and lastly, is language study. I personally believe that I really will want to learn language and culture. And really for a couple of reasons. Firstly, the older generation, they don't speak uh, English at all. And so if we want to reach them with the gospel, we must learn their language. Secondly, yes, um, the young people are taught in school in English and um, some of them even do speak it quite well. But whenever um, you leave them really to their own conversations, they instantly revert back uh, to their mother tongue. And it actually tells us a lot. It tells us that the mother tongue is the language that they want to speak. And it tells us that that is the, the, the language that they understand best. And so if we are to reach them with the deeper things, if we are to really, um, I suppose, uh, get the gospel through to them, then we really will need to learn their language. If we want to show them how much we care, we will want to speak their language. After all, we are the outsiders. We, we must adapt to their culture. If we want to get past that outsider stigma, which comes with being a foreigner, then we must learn language and culture. Thirdly, then, each Sunday the preaching is always done in the local language. So if we want to see the church grow from strength to strength, then we must endeavor to be a part of the church in the language that is the local one. What we currently preach in English is always translated. And that just shows you that they want to speak their own language. And not only that, two languages never cross over perfectly. So for accuracy's sake, it will be of utmost importance that we do learn uh, that language. As I finish off, really, I do want to leave you with just two main prayer requests. Firstly, please pray for the workers. Uh, for myself, as I go later in the year, and for Noreen McAfee and Stephen and Ruth Miller, who are already there, we do need your prayers. Christ said in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. And so please ask the Lord to give us the strength and the wisdom that we would need for all that lies ahead. Secondly, then, please pray not just for us, the workers, but also uh, for the work. Uh, we need the Lord to prepare hearts, to send us young people and older people who will accept their need of the Saviour, but then also surrender their lives unto Him. What we need is discipleship makers. For the Ugandan work to be a success, it's not only soul saved that we need, 
but soul saved who knowing and loving him have that willingness to serve their master. James 2 records for us that faith without works is dead. And so for the millions and millions in Uganda to hear the gospel, we need the people of God to be active for the King of Kings. We can't reach them all. We need the young people and those in that community to reach out. So I want to thank you for listening. Um, like our brother said, we, I did bring some prayer cards and, um, and bookmarks and stuff. So please take freely of them on, on the way out. And if anybody does have any questions, I'm more than happy to try and answer them for you on your way out. Thank you very much. I'll just hand back. We do want to thank Andrew for coming tonight and telling us a little bit about his call to the work in Uganda and what he would be going to do out there in assisting the practical aspect of the work. Do uh, remember him very much in prayer. And I was just thinking as we uh, said this morning, I would encourage maybe some who weren't here, if it's at all possible to... um, Listen to the message on the internet. Uh, not that I'm saying that you have to, but if you can. Remember, we preached seven points on the great missionary principles of the early church. The plan of God. The proclamation of the gospel. Partnership. Working together in a team. The offering of prayer. Vitally important. The pursuit of the work despite hindrances and difficulties. Power for the work. The power of the spirit. And the pattern, of course, is the church at home uh, focusing uh, on the Lord and putting him first in their lives. I, I said on Wednesday night, and we'll finish with this, C.T. Studd, the great um, cricketer, English cricketer, great missionary, he had a, loads of money, great fortune, and he gave it all away. And this is what he said, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great to me to make for him and uh, when, we, when we live in light of eternity and put the Lord first as our brother has said nothing else matters and um, we, we trust you to remember that we trust you'll take our brother uh, on your hearts take those prayer cards put you in your Bible um, use the information on the prayer card to pray for him in a weekly and in a daily basis